I really need to make an intro for this thing, like a proper, you're listening to the Off Mic Podcast, or something like that, instead of just cold opening every single show. My name is Drew Dalby. Welcome to episode number two of the Off Mic Podcast, the radio show about radio life, now available on iTunes. You can search the Off Mic Podcast. You can subscribe on there. Uh, If that's not your jam, if you prefer to follow along on your computer, uh, maybe you're a Tumblr blog user. We have uh, a Tumblr blog, offmicpodcast.tumblr.com. Of course, you can always find new episodes by following me on Twitter, at Dalby, or by going to facebook.com slash DrewDalby and liking the fan page on there. I don't think the Off Mic Podcast needs its own fan page, but uh, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe this will get bigger and better than uh, my actual radio show, and we'll uh, we'll have to take it to the next level. For now, enough of the preamble. Let's get right into episode number two. My guest today is somebody who should be familiar to most people, at least out in Western Canada, because he made some pretty serious waves not all that long ago, but in the midst of all this trouble and controversy that he created almost accidentally, he found himself with a really sweet gig. Here's episode two of the Off Mic Podcast. Uh, Drex Evening, Seafox, Vancouver. That's the most boring imaging I've ever heard. What's wrong with that? Is that how you would come into a break? Uh, how I would come into a break? You're like coming out of, out of a song? song, Drex, Seafox. Oh, I come out and go, hey, it's Drex, call me 280 Fox or Texas 84369. There you go. How you doing, buddy? Yeah. I'm good, man. You? How's uh, things in uh, Lloydminster? They're good. They're good. They're rainy and they're cold and winter's coming, so it's awesome. Oh, so, so the same here in Vancouver then? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure the weather is, is just a mirror image between Lloydminster and Vancouver. Oh, man, it's awful. Like I'm, in a, like I'm sitting in a studio on the 21st floor of a building now and I can see the building next to us and that's it. Well, fair enough. But at the same time, we're probably going to have snow in like a week. <laughs> uh, sucks to be you, doesn't it? Yeah. My favorite thing is, because I, I haven't worked in Alberta in radio yet, is I don't know the joys of buying a block heater for my car. Yeah, I don't know how you pulled this off that you managed to come into our country and get all of the warm weather radio jobs. <laughs> it's a good resume. Speaking of which, what's on your resume? Uh, radio for 20 years. I, I started back in 93. The, w- the way I got into radio is my uh, mother, of all people, was banging the GM of a local co-op station. There you go. And, uh, and I'd always wanted to get into radio, so I asked him for a job. He gave me, uh, I got to do the Saturday afternoon slot, which was two to five, and I was allowed to choose my own record. So I, you know, I played a lot of Liz Fair and a lot of Nirvana and a lot of Pearl Jam and, and stuff that I find, kind of found cool at the time. Um, and I, I did that for about a year or so, and then I, you know, I was a naive grade 10 kid. I started sending out tapes to all the big radio stations thinking that I was the best fucking radio DJ that had ever come <laughs> along. Um, so I, I did that, and then I, it was weird. I got this a phone call uh, from this woman called Ch- Jackie Riddell, and she was the program director of a radio station called Triple J. And just to give it a bit of context for you, Triple J would be – uh, what CBC Radio 3 is if it had transmitters and you could pick it up in your your car. Okay. Right, so it was a government rock station, uh, and uh, I went down for a, like a like an internship for like a week just to sort of see how they did things, um, and one of their overnight guys called in sick, so they asked me to do it, and they kind of liked the job that I did, so they offered me to, offered me to do two of them a week for them, um, but I, but the, the deal was I had to finish school. So I moved to Sydney, which is, you know, I, I lived in this small town uh, called Foster Sun Curry, which was about 30,000 people. Uh, moved to Sydney, enrolled in a performing arts school because that was probably the best for me to do. Uh, and when I would have parent teacher nights, the PD would go to them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> 
That was your representative. He would, and he was a because because Jackie ended up quitting, and there was this other guy called Stuart. And when I, you know, when I would have parent-teacher things, or or you know, because I was still a teenager and wasn't really living with my parents, he would kind of act on act as my guardian on my behalf. Which was kind of cool because he was a super nice guy. Uh, I did that for a bit. I did that until about 2001. Then I went to the dark side to work in commercial radio. They, some say the money's better, but it's not really. It's The money's better <laughs> wait, working wait, for Wait, there's government. money? <laughs> Eventually. Eventually oh, okay. money. Uh, so I, I, I worked for a pop station in Melbourne. So I'd, I'd gone working on, on, a, on an alternative rock station uh, to playing three-minute Rihanna and Jay-Z songs. And believe it or not, I, I actually enjoyed it because it was completely different to what I'd been doing for the past five years. So I, you know, I got to see another side of uh, the media business and sort of deal with people that I'd never really spoken to or really interacted with before. Same with the listeners. They were completely different sets of people. So I did that for a bit and uh, I, I kind of hated living in Melbourne. So I, I took a, f- a few other different radio jobs. I started doing mornings at, a, at another small place uh, in Townsville, uh, which is in the north of uh, Queensland in Australia. I did that for a bit. I kind of moved around to smaller sort of little radio jobs because I couldn't kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And then I realized I wanted to be a manager because I knew that's that was the quickest way to make some more cash. Right. Because, you know, you can you make shitty money for so long. You're like, I just want to I just want to be able to afford to put gas in my car every couple of weeks. I want to be able to afford to buy a steak occasionally. So I'll give up all I, the cool fun and freedom if I can just get a paycheck that people don't laugh at. Exactly. So I thought I, I you know, I can I, I can be a, an asshole deep down. So I'll get a management job. So I, I went to a place and this the PD that was there was this massive prick and he was doing just illegal shit all over the place. So he eventually got the boot and they asked me to fill in until they found somebody. They like kind of like the job that I did. So they hired me for the job. Uh, so then I started getting a real, a real paycheck. So I was a PD uh, from like 2007 all the way through 2009, moved to Canada. I worked uh, for a couple of stations in the Kootenays as the PD there. Um, then I moved to Kelowna. I worked for a radio station there as PD. Then to Vancouver Island, uh, where I was like a group PD of four stations. And then the MILF thing happened, and uh, now I'm here. But you know that? Have you seen the movie American Beauty? Yeah. So there's that scene where Kevin Spacey is driving through the order window for that burger place. Right. And he says to the server, I would like to uh, have a job. Can I get an application? She says to him, oh, there's no management jobs. Uh, he goes, oh, that's good because I want the job with the least amount of responsibility possible. That is how I feel about this job at Fox. I don't have, I've literally, like, I don't have to do anything. I just do the show and there's no other responsibilities. So that answers, I have the question, what's harder, being a PD at a small market station or breaking into a major market doing evenings? But you just answered that. I think it's harder being a PD of a small market because there's so many different uh, variables and for those that listen to this that are PDs in small market, you know exactly what I'm talking about because because you, you've got to be able to, whatever you have, you've got to be able to do it with no budget. You've got to be able to sell it. Um, the sales manager is going to hate whatever you do. Um, the GM is going to look at you and think maybe we shouldn't do that. But you, you have to come up with different ideas that can be done with no cash. Super hard. You brought it up. So we're going to go ahead and talk about this. Uh, first, explain the MILF incident. So um, it was December 19, uh, and I was doing the morning show at a radio station in, in, on the island. And I noticed that our, uh, one of our other morning guys called Scott, uh, up the coast a little bit, had secured an interview with the premier, uh, Christy Clark of, of BC. So I thought, well, hang on, I, I want in on this. So I emailed her guy. 
and said, can I get Christy on my show as well? I just need five minutes. Emailed me back saying, yeah, that's fine. Uh, we can get her on. So so she was running a little bit late. So I got her on and I had a question that was email. I, I'd kind of asked the listeners a couple of days prior if they had any questions just to email them to me. So a listener emailed me a question saying, ask Christy what it's like being a MILF. So uh, naturally I had the premier on and I, I don't think it's a bad question. So I said, hey, what, you know, what's it like uh, being a MILF? And she laughed it off and said, oh, you know, better a MILF than a cougar. We had a bit more of a chat, wrapped it up, blah, blah, blah. We were done. Then uh, I got this phone call a couple of days later from CTV in uh, Victoria saying, oh, this is now online. It's turning into a big story. Can we interview you? So I, you know, spoke to my bosses at the company I was working for, and, and they said, yeah, we don't want to do anything about it. So there were some more newspaper stories, a little bit of uh, brouhaha on talk radio, especially here in Vancouver. And, uh, and then they told me that they wanted to have a meeting with me, had a meeting. They suspended me for two weeks. So this is over Christmas, by the way. Perfect time of the year for that. Oh, just, you know, Christmas was delightful. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting at my house on Christmas Day cooking turkey, thinking, well, am I going to have a job by January 7th? As it turns out, I didn't have a job within two weeks. I, I got hauled into an office and was told, hey, yeah, we don't need you anymore. Here's an envelope. Here's a check. Uh, please leave. Give us your key. You managed to turn that into a whirlwind tour of uh, media stops because everybody <laughs> wanted to talk to you after that. I wasn't sure what to do because when I got home from being, I stopped at the liquor store, by the way, on the way home from being fired because I knew that there was going to be some serious drinking happening. You know, we're, I'm Australian. I love a good drink. So uh, I went to the liquor store, went home, spoke to the other half, uh, got fired. What do we do? Oh, well, you know, th there's a whole, whole bunch of crazy stuff around it for me because uh, I'm not a Canadian citizen yet, so I need to have like a visa and all this sort of stuff so I can work in the country. Because right. I, I love Canada. I don't plan on going and I plan on being a citizen. So that all of that stuff has to be taken into account. So I called a friend of mine who worked at a news station and I said, hey, you know, the MILF thing. Yeah, I've just gotten fired for it. And she goes, oh, that's a pretty big story. Can we do an interview with you? So I did a quick, like literally a two minute interview with one of their journalists. And as soon as I hung up the phone, I instantly regretted saying anything to these people because I thought, <laughs> oh, well, this is going to just going to damage me. I'm never going to be able to work again. So I was worried about that for a bit. And then my friend called me back and she goes, look, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. This will be a good thing. So it went sort of viral, not so much in a, in a web sort of way, but sort of in a web hit type of way with stories being written about it. The Jeff O'Neill show, which is the morning show here at Fox, heard about it and used it as a bit on their show the next day at about eight o'clock or so. And Jeff had said on air, why don't we give this guy a job? So they called Dunner, who was then the PD, and he made a few calls and got my number off somebody. And then I, I get a phone call from a 604. And it's it's it, when I answered the phone, and you'll know who I'm talking about when I say this. Uh, when I answered the phone, I thought the voice on the other end was my former sort of area uh, assistant program director. Okay. Because they have the same voice, <laughs> like the exact same voice. And I was like, oh, what? Why are you calling me? And he goes, oh, it's Donna from CFOX. I was like, oh, hi, Donna from CFOX. So <laughs> when when I first moved to Canada, I had a whole bunch of gold stations I want to work at. The Fox was one of them. So he's on the phone. He's like, hey, do you want to do you want to maybe come work for us? And I, I didn't know. It was weird. I was my brain was kind of telling me that it might have been a prank. So I just said, yeah, that kind of sounds cool. Can you give me an hour? I'll call you back. So I hung up the phone, spoke to the other half. We decided that it was probably a cool idea. So I rang him back uh, and said, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And then I realized it was him. 
And then within 15 minutes, they'd announced it on the radio that I was going to come work for the Fox. You know, it's not the easiest thing to get a job in radio, especially in a big market like Vancouver. Yeah. So it's always good if you could just find a way to turn your employment into a bit. That's what happened. It was turned into a thing. And, and, and people at this other company that I worked for uh, had said to me, we don't want you to become the story. Well, I'm thinking, hang on, the, the story's just got me a kick-ass job. <laughs> like, I've just I've just been offered it. Like, when I say a gold station, like when, like when you work in radio, there's places you want to end up. So oh, of for me, it was uh, Seafox in Vancouver or Rock 101, K97 or The Bear in Edmonton or um, uh, Hits FM in St. Catharines. Toronto was never on my radar for wanting to go to. I just didn't think it would happen that way and that quickly. For you to fall backwards into it. Yeah, I, I never in a million years thought that me making a silly comment on a small radio station would get me the job at one of the stations I wanted to be at, but so be it. Here's the question. If you hadn't gotten fired for the MILF thing and Dunner had called you and offered you this job while you were still employed at the, we'll just call it the MILF station, would you, <laughs> would you have taken it? Of course I would have. So you would, either way, this works out as well as it possibly could for you. Abs- absolutely. And you know what? I, I, and I've, I, I've said this numerous times, like I uh, was extremely disappointed and angry with that company at the time because I felt that I'd given a long time uh, of, of my personal time to that company. And, uh, you know, the company was going through a lot of changes at the time. And I just kind of I kind of just felt, yeah, I, I, I kind of felt used by it. And uh, I, I just felt that they were trying to get rid of a large salary. I, I look, there's no hard feelings there. Like, you know, fuck business is business, man. If you don't want someone around because it's, it gives your company a bad image, then fine. Get rid of me. That's cool. Like, I'm, I'm not not bothered by that because I came out on top anyway. So now, but would you, as somebody that maybe, uh, you know, the voice of experience in this situation, would you recommend getting fired in part of a national controversy as a method to move up for other jocks? I don't think you can calculate. Uh, I don't think you can set it up so it's going to happen. I think it's just. Uh, I think it's, it's. I think it's organic. Actually, I don't think you can go. Okay, so if I get myself fired from here, I could end up on this radio station because there's like I like using this word. There's so many variables, right? So you could you could do something great, like a great bit on the radio that uh, gets you fired, but it all depends on. Uh, if that guy at that radio station and the other guy at the other radio station knows that that's happened. One of the things about radio in Canada is, is you got to, you have to believe uh, in your own self-worth. You've got to be able to make sure people know what you do, how you do it, and why you're doing it. If you're just, if you're just going to sit in a radio market and just do the same shit day in and day out and never let anybody else outside of that market know how great you are at what you do or, you know, tweet or Facebook about the goals that you've kicked for yourself, no one's ever going to know that you're there and you'll never be on their radar. So you've listened to my show then. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yes, no, you've I, gotta, I do You've got to be, saying. there's a certain level of this that is uh, going to turn you into a narcissistic prick. Uh, but I believe firmly that you have to love yourself before anyone else will love what you do. If you don't 100% believe in your own self-worth and the things that you could bring to someone's radio station, and they're never going to hire you. You know, when you see jobs come up and you apply for jobs, you want to be already on that person, be on that person's radar. You already need to exist to them because they've probably already figured out who they're going to hire for that job. 
Yeah, you don't want your resume to be the first time they've ever heard of you. Yeah, like, like, well, who's this guy from this place? Well, his tape's okay, but he's not great. The thing is, you you can be taught to be fantastic on the radio. That's something that can be taught. And, you know, obviously you have to have your own sort of level of uh, competency with, you know, executing certain things and writing good content and finding good bits to use. But if, you, if you're not letting people know that you're doing good things, then, you know, it's, it's pointless. But if you want to end up in like a place like Toronto, you got to let people know how good you are. Okay, so right now, like, everything's fucking rainbows and lollipops and unicorns for you, but uh, you went through the, the dark times, the cold times, the no money times. What's the most broke-ass thing you've had to do in your radio career? Oh, oh, this, it actually happened probably um, a year or so after I got to Canada because um, I literally spent my entire life savings moving here. So I, I had like 11 grand in the bank and I spent the lot moving to Canada. So a couple of years ago, a friend of mine got married in Vancouver and I was living in, uh, I'd literally just taken the job at the radio station in Kelowna and he was getting married in Vancouver. So we had to come down for that. And I literally had no money. I can tell you that the night of the wedding, we went to uh, the Safeway, at, like in Vancouver, and bought a like you know those prepackaged sandwiches you can get for like four dollars fifty. Yeah, <laughs> we we got one of those to have the next morning on the drive back to split it, and we had a we had just enough get gas to get us back to Kelowna. Like as I was driving over the connector, my gas light came on because I, I I literally <laughs> like if you'd said to me, hey, let's get a, like a, a candy bar or some jerky at the gas station, it's not going to happen. There's nothing there. Not in the budget. That's the thing, man. Is like. It, it, you get to that point where you're like, got no money. You're like, what the hell am I doing with myself? Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you like that? Why, what have you done? Like, even if, like, if you're a first year out of radio school type of person, you're probably going to be making 24 grand a year in a shitty market. And, and you can barely, you can barely put gas in your car. Like I've had people work for me since moving to Canada that I've had to put gas in their car for them. Like me, myself as well. Right. Um, I've had to put gas in their car for them. I've had, I had a staff member that worked for me that had to use the food bank once every two weeks. Cause they weren't getting wow. paid enough. Wow. That's, I, I, I I have a very grounded sense of of why uh, saving money is important <laughs> when you work in radio because because depending on how you know how quickly you move up to better jobs in your radio career, you're not going to make that much money. As you know, people that are listening to this will understand. Every, I know everyone makes craft dinner jokes, but it's not a joke; it's a fact. You know what? And I've never understood those jokes because craft dinner is delicious. So what the fuck I, ever. I've I've had it once, and I just I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> You're more of a ramen noodle guy. I'm a, you know what? I am a ramen noodle guy, but I add shit to it. Like I boil an egg up. I do the full Asian layout. A proper ramen recipe. I, uh, you know, the, the greatest thing ever. And and here's my piece. And I've always got little pieces of advice for people who are getting into radio. If your parents ask you what do you want, tell them straight away you want a Costco card. Okay. Like if you if you uh, if you get a job in a radio market where there's a Costco, you're gonna save an absolute shit ton of money. And I'm not saying that because I uh, like Costco isn't paying me. I'm telling you, as a Costco user, like if you're if you're living on a like a very stringent budget every every two weeks, um, you need to uh, plan out how what you buy and how you buy it for yourself. Like, go to Costco, man. You're going to save a buttload of cash. That's an actual weight of measurement, by the way. An actual, a buttload? Yeah. Is that heavier or lighter than a pound? I don't know. I just read it somewhere. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay, so by contrast, we've talked about what, what the worst moment was. What's the coolest thing you've gotten to do because of being a radio DJ? Well, you know what? That's a, pr that's a pretty good question. Uh, like, meeting, uh, meeting different people is kind of fun. I, I don't mean meeting rock stars. Like, that's fun, like, if you do. 
but just sort of meeting uh, other people that you kind of uh, look up to that maybe work in your business. That, that, I find that kind of cool. That's just me, though. I find that kind. I like when I like a, when I met Bro Jake for the first time. I thought that was kind of cool. When I met Jeff O'Neill for the first time, I thought that was. I thought that was pretty cool. Like people I look up to. Yeah. Buddy, I started a podcast to talk to other radio DJs, so I'm I'm pretty much picking up what you're putting down here. Yeah, it's well, it's the industry we work in, right? And you know, it's it's the same for everybody. We got into radio because it's kind of fun, and you know, the free shit's fun as well if you get it. And you know, we, we've all got radio people we, we look up to. Like I I got a ton of friend friends that are huge, huge, huge fans of Fearless Fred on the Edge in Toronto. Yeah, uh, massive fans of that guy like like the, my buddy Kia just ad- adores him so much and and, and I, it's easy to see why he's a personal guy likes cartoons and comic books he's funny he makes hilarious jokes on the right like the guy's cool that guy's a dick yeah i heard that as well <laughs> and and i say that as somebody who spent most of his practicum uh sitting in and listening to fearless fred when he was with the bear and learning every possible thing fearless fred is actually one of my personal heroes well there you go see that that just that just proves that he's he's you know we have those people that we uh want to emulate and you kind of you kind of pick up little bits and pieces from different radio people that you love. So you might steal like one little uh, bit from them or another little bit from someone else. And you kind of develop your own personality around it. And, and then you eventually, you know, get into a get into a groove where your personality is uh, totally unique, but it takes the best bits of other personalities that you've kind of grown up, even like watching television. Like I, I absolutely love Conan O'Brien and I've always watched Conan O'Brien. So there's little nuances that I have learned from him that I've kind of built into my personality. Same with Letterman as well. Letterman's, Letterman's uh, use of the, of the pregnant pause is one of the greatest things in media. And that's the thing is you you pick up these little bits and pieces, you develop your own radio personality, and then you've, you know, it's, and then, you know, if you do things right, you get to where you want to be with, with your own personality that stands out from the others. You are a student of the game. You've studied, you've listened to uh, a plethora of other DJs. Uh, Who would you say is the, your favorite out-of-market DJ right now? Maybe somebody, not you know, not like the Jeff O'Neills or the Fearless Freds or the guys that everybody knows about, but somebody I, maybe on the rise. I I love uh, Greg B. Harrell at The Edge. He does the evening show there in Toronto. He used to be on uh, X92.9 in, in Calgary. And I just, I, I the guy is so odd and bizarre that uh, I just, like, I, like he does radio completely different to the way I do radio. My, mine's very, like, I'm very straight up and down with radio stuff. But this guy, I, I don't know whether you, what you know about him or, or your listeners know about him, but the guy is, he's hilarious on the radio. He leaves you wanting more when you listen to him. His uh, social media uh, execution is just fucking bizarre like he comes up with the strangest things to do um there was one that he did and he he uh nails awkward comedy very well uh he he did this one a couple of weeks ago where i think it was a stat day in toronto and he's like oh see look you know some of us do hang out and work on stat holidays and it's kind of him smiling into the camera and behind him is a woman walking into the women's washroom with like a what the fuck are you looking at me sort of look on her face right i don't know whether it's set up or it's or it's accidental but it's it's you just look at what he does and it's it's hilarious the guy is an absolute genius i think he's very funny i think my favorite thing that i've seen from greg beharrell on on twitter 
is his uh, gratuitous use of the hashtag fire Greg Bahero. He started, he's tried to start numerous campaigns to get himself fired, which I think is just, it's, it's a great bit. One of my favorite things he used to do at X is when they would, um, uh, he would occasionally read the news. Have you ever heard him read the news? I can't say I have. It's, it's, it's uh, it's almost like a like an intentional train wreck. Like <laughs> think of think of the worst morning show you've ever heard uh, with the worst newsreader you've ever heard, and then him actually the person reading the news. It's 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 bizarre. It is the strangest thing you've ever heard. I don't know whether you can do a Google search on it. I've heard maybe one or two, or maybe he was just doing the sports, but they were just strange. And I, and and that's the thing is we. We there's so many radio announcers doing the same shit as everybody else, and there's those you know those those small individual uh, people dotted around the world that are doing something different to everybody else. It just so happens that the Edge in Toronto have two of those people back to back in the afternoons and evenings. Okay, so we've uh, learned all about Greg Baharel. How do people get more of you? How would like where if somebody wants to listen to you, if they want to follow you online, give them all the details. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's just at Drex at D-R-E-X. Um, my Facebook is facebook.com slash it's Drex. Uh, you can listen at cfox.com. Um, and there's a pretty sweet Mike McCready interview I did up there on the on my page, so you can listen to that as well. Yeah, I hate you for that, by the way. I was uh, I was kind of nervous going into that because I I have I, look I'm not I'm not going to say that I'm a mega King Kong massive. Oh my God! I'll do anything to interview Pearl Jam type of fan. Like I love Pearl Jam, and they've always you know I grew up with Pearl Jam and listening to Pearl Jam and. Um, and when when they offered me the interview with Mike Creedy, I was a little bit nervous about it. I would imagine. I, well, I'm not going to say a little bit. I was super nervous about it. In fact, I you know what? I think I was more nervous about uh, interviewing uh, Josh Homme from uh, Queens of the Stone Age face to face with a whole bunch of listeners sitting in front of us ah. and uh, the entire Queens of the Stone Age. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, there's the guy that was in a perfect circle. Uh, there's uh, the guy that was in the Mars Volta. Uh, there's Josh himself, who's been in like 1,100 bands himself, uh, and you're about to interview them, so you don't want to fuck that up. Yeah, and, and that's the tough part, right? Because you have a live studio audience, and they're judging every, not not even just every question, but every word that comes out of your mouth. You stutter once, and they're just like, oh, who is this yeah. guy? And I and I was, like Dustin, our music director of the Fox, he was in the control room of this recording studio we did it at, and he said to me after, he, afterwards, he said, I could tell that you were visibly nervous doing this. Because <laughs> I, was, I was literally... Uh, I, I was. I had a really bad case of cotton mouth, and I had like a list of questions. My hands were shaking a little bit. Like I was. I was. I was nervous. And, I, and I've been doing this for twenty years. I shouldn't be nervous, but I still, uh, you know, I'm my own worst critic. I'll always prejudge everything I do before I actually do it because I always think that I'm going to fuck something up. Well, I think the day that it all starts to come too easy is the day you might as well just give it up. Yeah. Well, that's right. If you don't. If you don't keep sort of learning your craft even once you get to the the one place you want to be i think there's still plenty of learning for us to do like i'm i man i still love i hate getting air checked but i have to do it because it's the only way to make me better have you got anyone lined up for week three yet no listen i i i'm flying by the seat of my pants i have no idea oh. what's going on who's on your get list well, i don't even have one are you <laughs> you logged into facebook at the exact time that i was like i wonder who i should do next week 
Yeah, I, I kind of saw that you were doing it. I was like, I hope you asked me because I love tooting my own horn. <laughs> well, you've done a fantastic job of it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, what we do at the end here is we'll let you do sort of a little sign off. And uh, if you want to introduce the spin of the week, which we've let you pick. Uh, oh, by I, all haven't, means. I haven't picked it yet. There's so many good ones because I work at a radio station that plays awesome music. I, I, re I, I, I love the brand new Arctic Monkey song. The brand new Arctic Monkey song. I don't even yeah, think I've heard it's that. It's called Do I Want to Know. It's from the album AM. Am I meant to do an intro for it? Here's <laughs> Arctic Monkeys. Go eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> color in your cheeks Do you ever get that feel that you can't shift the tide that sticks around like summits in your teeth Are there some aces up your sleeve Have you no idea that you're in deep I dreamt about you nearly every night this week How many secrets can you keep there's this tune I found that makes me think of you somehow And I play it on repeat Until I fall asleep Spilling drinks on my settee Do I wanna know If this feeling flows both ways Can't say tomorrow day Crawling back to you Never thought I'd call and run You're out of you Cause I always knew Maybe I'm too Busy being lost To fall for surrounding you Now I'm calling through Crawling back to you have you got the goods? Been wondering if your heart's still open And if so, I wanna know what time it should Simmer down and poker up I'm sorry to interrupt It's just I'm constantly on the cusp I've tried And to kiss you I don't know if you Feel the same I do But we could be together If you wanted to Do I wanna know If this feeling flows both ways We're sort of hoping that you'd stay Thank you.
If I get through my life with never putting on a fucking onesie, I'll be pretty impressed. You would look hilarious in a onesie. I'm just saying. I'm, well, listen, if it comes, you know me, I'll do anything for a bit. <laughs> you in a onesie with a butt flap. Oh, 